Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today I have a special guest, Paige Kumpf. She's an awesome coach and we met in Colorado at, that's where we first met, right? At a biomechanics. Yeah, I think back in like 2019, was it? Has it really been that long? I know. It was definitely pre-pandemic. Yeah, it definitely was. That's that's awesome though, because we met there. Usually I meet people on Instagram and I'm like Instagram friends with them for a while. And then I finally will do a podcast with them or something. But we met in, in person first. Yep. Back at the gym at Prospect before they had their headquarters. And I remember at the time being so impressed with you. You were very knowledgeable. You had like really good questions. And I remember you were just so open to learning. And so I was really impressed. And and I'm really excited, guys, to have Paige on here today because if you don't follow her on Instagram, I really think you would really, really appreciate her and her her outlook on health and fitness. She has some really balanced approaches. I think you guys would really, really appreciate her. And lately I feel like your reels have been on fire. And so I really wanted to get you on here. What are some things that you see? Like we, we just barely started the new year. What are some things that you see people just kind of where people go wrong for new year's resolutions? The main thing that sticks out to me is, you know, because we're what, almost two weeks into the new year. And Mm -hmm. so the thing I've seen already is people who know they have those all or nothing tendencies, they just start out swinging big out of the gates. They're going to do all the things when in reality, that's what they did last year or six months ago. And, you know, it it lasted a few weeks, but then it kind of just, it's, it's too much. And so it leads to burnout and then burnout leads to giving up and, it, it just, it just doesn't work out. So that's the kind of, that that's the main thing when you ask that question is what have I said over and over and over so far? And it's start smaller than you think you would like to. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so hard though. How do you get buy-in so with that? Because nobody wants to start out small. Like the phrases go big or go home. Like right. it's not like start out tiny. And usually, um, I don't know if you're like this either, but like, if you're like this as a coach, but when people will do nutrition plans with me and I'll send them their first nutrition and they're like, wait, I think that like, Lindsay, this is way too much food. I think we need to be at 1200 calories, not at 1700 calories. And it's kind of like a hard conversation to have with them to get them out of that mindset. Totally. Yeah. I'll get, I only see progress when I go down to 1200 calories. I'm like, well, why are you with me then? You know, like if you, if you know that you see progress at 1200 calories, doesn't that work for you? You know, it, it clearly doesn't work for you, but yeah, I get the same thing. You know, I know this isn't going to work. I don't see results on this. And it's just, it's, it's hard to get that consistency buy-in. You're, you're right. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I love that you, that you bring that up that, well, if you know what works, then why are you with me? a wait, because it's not working for you. That's why Mm -hmm. you started looking around because it wasn't working for you. Yeah. Trying to convince somebody to eat more than they think to lose weight. 
That is, that's a huge challenge. I, I think the past, like at the beginning of the year, I was doing free macro counts with new like app signers when they would sign up. And I can't tell you how many emails a day would come in saying, I think that this is too high. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't want maintenance. I wanted a calorie deficit. I'm like, well, that's what I'm giving you. I'm giving you a calorie deficit that you can actually adhere to. Yeah. And what I say is, you know, it, it, it probably is higher than what the calorie calculator on that you Google searched outputs for you. But this is sustainable. This, I, I want to increase your adherence. And so these are the numbers like that I'm giving you. <laughs> Increased adherence will do more than anything else. It, even if it just makes them feel good, like, oh, I can finally hit these numbers. Even if it's at a slower fat loss rate, I can finally hit this. I can feel good because I'm making and keeping promises to myself. So I can do it. Yeah. So what are some other things? What are some other things that you feel like people should steer away from when they very first start out on a fat loss phase or what are things that usually set people up for failure? Well, we talked just about bringing calories too low, but there are lots of other things, you know, starting out with letting your motivation dictate like the aggressiveness of your programming. Like, no, I want to do five days a week. No, I want to track Mac. I want to track all the macros and I want a carb cycle and I want to do cardio every day and I want to do a 10 minute meditation. And, you know, so they have like 10 things that they are trying to change on a daily basis, you know, which is impossible even for someone who has very low stress, no kids, you know, minimal work hours, let alone the average person I and you probably work with who has a very busy life. Yeah. So I think just the number of things that they're changing can be a big hindrance. That is a huge one. Have you heard of the book, Tiny Habits? No, I haven't, but I'm writing it down. <laughs> it's really good. I'm always talking about Atomic Habits. That's an, that's an incredible book. And it's funny because a lot of my consultation calls I've been doing lately, I'm like, okay, you have homework, f- f- minimum of five pages of Atomic Habits or Tiny Habits. And tiny habits is exactly the principle that you just barely um, shared that if we're trying to do a complete overhaul where it's like, I'm going to change 10 things a day, you are literally setting yourself up for failure. Even those with um, the most like dedication, consistency, we can only change one tiny thing at a time. And another thing too is I feel like sometimes people try to optimize too much at a time. And I think you touched on that a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like really when it comes to nutrition, protein and calories, that's king. Yeah. And people are start out with. Yeah, it really is. And a lot of people are obsessing about, no, 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 no. But there's a perfect macro ratio. There's perfect fats and carbs. And I've got to track all of that. Oh no, there's, there's timing. Oh no, there's carb cycling was another one. Oh, and fasting. And I'm going to just keep adding. And it's like, I think the most important thing is just add one. And when you get that down, then optimize it if needed. If needed. And that's like a huge if. Yeah. Cause that may be all you need. So what else, what are your thoughts on that? Like, what else have you noticed that people just kind of shoot themselves in the foot 
No, I totally agree. And <clears throat> I have some clients who, you know, even before the holidays started, were struggling with adherence. Um, and then, you know, through the holidays kind of dropped off a little bit in January, they want to go, you know, they, they really want to see some progress. And I did, you know, just like kind of what you mentioned with the tiny habits, I gave, I'm, you know, gave them three things, one to three things. Some of them only have like one or two. And then, you know, to do daily, just three little things. And when it, against, you know, begrudgingly having them agree, <laughs> um, but, and then having them literally send me, yes, I did the three things or no, I, I missed every single day, like just a quick email, you know, just whether they hit it. So just going back to the tiny habits, completely agree with you there. And then I also think a big one is just having unrealistic expectations. So making sure that your real, your expectations of not only your progress, you know, what you should see on a, a week to week basis is realistic, but also what changes you need to make are, are realistic. Ooh, I love this. Okay. But especially the progress. <laughs> we are going to unpack this one and we are going to dive deep one. into unrealistic expectations. I'm so glad you brought this up because I really think we could do an entire podcast just on unrealistic expectations. Totally. Right. How does that show up in your clients and how do you spot it in them? Good question. Um, you know, in their check-ins, I ask a number of questions and I'm sure you do too. And, you know, one of them is, are you happy with the progress you're making? What results did you, you know, or, you know, about long if they're happy, with the progress that they're making or, or what results they saw this week. And some of them will say, I only lost, uh, the scale is only down two pounds in the last two weeks. And I'm so frustrated that I'm not making more progress. And I'm like, A, that's right average progress. And B, like two weeks, that's not a, a huge gauge of a trend and, you know, and, and weight. So it's, it's just initially it's like kind of frustrating for me just because, because, you know, I know it's going to be a little bit of a battle trying to explain to them, Hey, this is, this is average progress. This is what you can expect. So, um, I like to kind of tell them right off the gate, you know, what they can expect progress wise and what not to put stock in with the scale, but you know, that can go so far. <laughs> no, that's true. I think it's hard as a coach when you want to be a responsible coach to lay really good expectations because, and, and I've said this so many times as a coach, honestly, one of my biggest jobs is managing expectations. Yeah. Like that, that's huge. That is literally every check-in. I feel like we're going to manage expectations right now. That's what we're going to do. But it's hard when you want to be a good coach, you want to get people the results that they're hoping for, but you're telling them something that they don't want to hear. Like, do you know what? We're, we're not going to start out with fat loss. Like mentally, you can't even go there. Right. And th it's really hard to get buy-in when they're like, no, 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 but I'm inundated with all of these uh, Instagram ads saying in three months, I can look like a totally different person. It's like, mm, no, that's it's not really understandable why they would feel that way though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how do you go about, what are some things that you do to work with your clients to really manage those expectations to, to kind of change it? Because I mean, even to one pound a week, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's really great. 
And that's kind of what I tell them, you know, in the beginning, I tell them, okay, you know, average weight loss is a half a pound to two pounds per week, two pounds being aggressive, like on the high side. And so just letting them know what they can expect. And I, I would tell them, you know, anything more than two pounds would, would probably be maybe a little bit too much, but also, you know, really hammering down the point that I'm not interested in what the scale says day to day or even week to week. Like I, I look at their, their data points, you know, I like them to weigh in at least weekly or multiple times a week. And that way, you know, when you see the monthly lines, you know, you want it to be trending downward. That's all we're looking for mm-hmm. is a downward slope. We don't want it to be going upward. And I let them know, like, that is considered a win for me as your coach, right? That is your, that is what I'm looking for. And so really just to like help them to zoom out and not focus on the day to day or even the week to week fluctuations. I also try and add in some progress trackers that isn't just, aren't just weight. You know, yeah, we will do measurements. Well, at least we'll do like weight or waist and um, thigh measurements, but then pictures. And then also, you know, progressive overload in the gym, how they're sleeping, is their digestion improving? So those are all things, you know, we look at too. Um, and every check-in I ask them for one non-physique related uh, when that they've experienced that week, just to like force them to, to look back and shoot and think of one. <laughs> Do you know what's funny is I, I have that question too, at the very bottom. And I remember a woman being like, she wrote in and she goes, well, this is the stupidest question you could possibly ask me. And what was funny is I said, oh no, I did exactly what I wanted it to. It, it let me know where your mind's at. Totally. Because that answer right there said it all. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't, to, you don't have to tell me anything. I know that you're frustrated. You're not in it. Like it was really, really funny. Yikes. That was probably a fun check-in. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my most stress-induced check-ins ever because it did, if I'm being fully honest, there was a follow-up email where I've never been torn to shreds so much by an individual. And my response was, I'm so sorry you are feeling this way. You must be feeling pretty crappy to lash out on me. Because the truth is I have no control over what you eat or don't eat. Like you're just angry at yourself for not being compliant. And better you kick me than, you know, your husband or your cat or your, you know, somebody else around you. But that was, that was a little divulging, a little hard check-in I got one time. Yeah. I think sometimes as a coach, it's self-awareness is a skill. And that's a, that's a hard one to teach people because sometimes I feel like they think, well, no, I hired you. You're supposed to do the hard work. And I'm like, oh, my part's actually the easy part. I write a plan and I hold you accountable to it. Like you do the hard work. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you struggle with that, but how do you just, how do you help keep people motivated and moving forward when they are just frustrated or they're trying to put the responsibility on your shoulders? Have you ever experienced that before? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Especially, you know, when we were talking about expectations, when progress is slower, you know, and I'm like, you're making progress. It's just really slow. And, you know, like if it's 
you know, in fat loss is slow, muscle building is slower. You know, it's just mm-hmm. my mind goes to my mind goes to that. But one thing that I will do is like at the very beginning, it, when I first meet with them, is I'll talk about you know like what they've done in the past, and then like what their belief that they can follow through with their goal is you know, on a scale of, you know, like a percentage base, like how, how sure are you that you, how, how much do you believe that you can accomplish this goal? And, you know, they'll say like, Oh, seven out of 10. And I'll say why? And they're like, well, I've, I've done it before, but I've used more drastic measures or, you know, they'll talk about what they've done in the past and, you know, but I know I can do it if I really put my mind to it. Paige, you said that you ask him a bunch of questions. One of them you've mentioned earlier to me is belief systems. And I kind of want to talk about that because that's actually a really powerful question. I don't, I don't ask that. So what exactly is the question? Why do you ask it? And what do you look for in their response? Well, it tells me what their self-efficacy is right off the bat. And just like historically speaking, when I have a client who would say like a three because nothing's ever worked for me. That's a red flag for me. And I'm like, Oh, you know, historically speaking, the, the clients who answer really low, well, they don't achieve their goals as well as the clients who initially answer higher. So like a, a, someone who might say seven, you know, they'll, they'll kind of build up the reasons why they can do it when I ask why. So I'm like, why, why did you put this number? And they'll say, well, I put a seven because I've made these changes in the past and I know I can do it. I just need to do it in a more sustainable way or, you know, whatever they say, but they literally tell themselves why they can do it. And so starting out with them knowing they can do it is already like building that self-efficacy, which as you know, like the, you know, the confidence and the, that they believe they can do this. Like, it's not just some shot in the dark, some, another program that's not going to work. Whereas if a client says two or three on a scale of one to 10 is their belief that they can do it. I know I'll have a lot of work to do in getting their buy-in that they can achieve this. So we'll start small, right? With those, that low hanging fruit, maybe water step, like a low, you know, their steps kind of just, just make everything just above what they're doing now Mm -hmm. so that they can get some of that confidence and momentum going And then, you know, I'll tell them we're going to start at maintenance, like you, like you mentioned earlier. And then once they get that increased confidence in themselves, then you can kind of go a little bit bigger. But also, you know, if, if someone says like, I've tried, I've tried all these programs or I've worked with all these trainers and nothing's ever worked. Sometimes that's a red flag that I might not be the trainer for them. (laughs) Yeah, that, that is true. And that's really hard for people to hear or even acknowledge that there is a, if if you've worked with like five or six coaches, three or four trainers, there is a common denominator in that equation. And it's you, it's not the, it's not the coaches. And so something has to change. And a lot of times I'll try to talk about mindset a lot with clients. Mm -hmm. And then I have to be so cautious though, because then they'll think, oh, she's a therapist. She's a counselor. And, and I would actually encourage those coaches that are listening that we stay in our lane, that there are people 
with very, very specific educations that help people with that. And there have been times when I've had to tell clients, I actually don't think you need a coach or a trainer. I actually think you need to do some mental work in this aspect of your life. And, and I'm, I'm not qualified for that, but there are therapists who are, and that's a hard conversation to have, but I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really important. Yeah. Anytime there's, you know, any, any ounce of disordered thinking or, or, you know, mindset outside of the basics with, you know, nutrition and, and fitness. Yeah. It's, I say this with love, but I think, you know, a a therapist in this area could help you a lot more than I can. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And help you do the work because it does require a ton of work. What do you feel like are the best tips that help your clients with consistency? We're just going to kind of shift over to that a little bit because I see you work with a lot of people who, um, these are lifestyle clients. They really want to get healthy, lose a little weight. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think that you help a lot of people who are looking to step up on stage or anything like that. And so with people who, this is a lifestyle, this is what they want to create, um, habits, lifestyle. What are some tips that, what are some of your favorite tips to give people to create that lifestyle? One of them we talked about making a few small changes and, and that's, that's key, but some of the, some of the few small changes that I have my clients make are regarding their step count to keep track of that and then increase that because that's one way, you know, it's, they don't look at it as a workout, right? But it's Mm -hmm. a way to increase their, this is for like a client who wants to lose body fat, right? Um, Or even just heart health, because, you know, I mean, as, as you know, like the studies, recent studies that have come out with, with step counts and, mortality, right? The, yeah. The more steps you take the, is aligned with the longer that you live. So, you know, step counts, a big one, not only for increasing your daily energy expenditure, your non-exercise activity burn calorie burn, but also your heart health. And then another one is tracking calories and protein or, you know, not, you don't have to track them, but for fat loss, you know, being a calorie deficit and then getting enough protein. Those are kind of like three big ones that I have clients focus on. Sleep is another one because I'm sure you come across this too. You know, you have working moms who have tons going on and they have these goals and they're working up at 4.30 in the morning to get their workout in, but they're going to bed at 11.30. Mm. It, there's not enough recovery time to make those workouts worth it. Yeah. How do you coach around sleep? I actually find that for me as a coach, that's actually one of the most difficult ones to get people to do, to get buy-in on sleep. And I've been like racking my brain over this lately. Like I've got to do a podcast on sleep because people don't get why they're acting a certain way throughout the day with their family, with themselves, with food why they feel so crappy during lifts. It like literally all comes back to sleep. And if they would just change that one thing, they could be more compliant. Their hormones, as far as like being satisfied, feeling fuller will actually regulate. Like it is so hard to get buy-in on this one. It's so hard because I think, you know, it's, it's not, 
I don't think people see because you're sleeping. So I don't think people understand how productive you are when you're sleeping. <laughs> it's literally the most productive part of my day, Paige, yes. when I am asleep. <laughs> and some of the best. <laughs> exactly. No, that is so true. Nobody is going to equate sleep to productivity. And yet it is so intricately. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Continue. I try. So sleep, as you know, like affects literally every, every system in your body. So what I try and do is understand like where my client's motivation lies and then tie it to that, you know? So if it's fat loss, I'm like, okay, this is why we're getting sleep because you're going to feel fuller throughout the day. If you get this amount of sleep, like this study says that like multiple studies say this, you know, or like at a cellular level, you will be more efficient at burning fat. Yes. Yeah. Just, just tying it to their, their motivation is what I try to do, but you're right. It, it's, it's, the, it's the toughest one to change. But that is so key. I love that actually tying it directly to the motivation. Like if you want to not feel so snacky throughout the day, like if that's, what's killing you as far as compliance in a fat loss phase, tie it directly to sleep. If you really, if a client really wants to maximize muscle gains, oh man, that's a pretty easy one to tie directly to their sleep, right? Like people think that they need to go in and annihilate their muscles and then they're going to grow, but you're not going to grow at all if you're not sleeping because that's where you're going to be building, like Mm -hmm. in that recovery of sleep. So I love that. That's a really great tip. So just whatever their main motivation is, their main goal is, it really can be so easily tied to sleep. Yeah. But then how do you like, how do you help people establish good sleep patterns? Cause I've noticed I'm like, okay, how, how much, how long are you sleeping? Like, I'm going to hold you accountable to how long you're sleeping, but it's like, it's really hard to get them to sit down and write out like, okay, this is my sleep schedule. This is my nightly practice. Like, I know Do you have any tips for that one. Anything that you do with them? Oh, no, that's as far as like sleep hygiene. I feel like if, if, a, if someone's going to change their sleep hygiene, it's because they want to, you know, if I'm trying to get a client to change sleep, like it's because I want them to more than them. So <laughs> yeah. my thoughts went to, you know, I mentioned, I have several clients right now who are emailing me every day with their three daily habits. And I, my thoughts went to two of my clients who are sleep is, are two of them because they are notoriously and historically going to bed way too late for the time that they wake up. And so, you know, they don't get the X on their calendar if they don't check in with the time, you know, hopefully they don't start fibbing and, and but, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you are externally motivated, that could be helpful is, is my thought, you know, so just having the earlier bedtime be one of the, the three daily requirements of their consistency month. (laughs) Yeah. I, I love that. I've had a few clients where I've told them you can't work out the next morning because they love working out. It means everything to them, right? They're so driven. It's like, okay, no lifting the next day. If you don't get X amount of sleep, because these guys are getting like four hours of sleep, five hours of sleep and then dragging. And they're so frustrated because they're not seeing the fat loss. They're overeating, but no matter what, they won't, they won't miss their workout because that means everything. It's like, okay, well then we're going to tie your sleep to your workout. You better sleep or you don't get to work out the next day. That's a really good idea. (laughs) You have to tell your husband, okay, this is what, you know, 
I'm doing or your significant other. This is what I'm doing. This is what my coach is holding me accountable to. That's how I earn it. I feel like so many people are missing the big rocks. Like, you, you know, that, that whole analogy of trying to like you have a container and people need to fit the sand and the rocks in. And oftentimes people will dump in the sand and it fills it up halfway and then they'll try to fit in the rocks and they can't. But if they put in all the big rocks, then they can pour the sand in and it all fits and it all works really, really well. And I feel like sometimes my clients are just dumping in the sand and then they can't, they don't get the big rocks. And when it comes to fat loss, the big rock really is we've got energy balance. Like we've got to stay in, um, a, an energy deficit. And if there are a few things that they won't miss, like I mentioned, like their workout or some cardio. And one thing that I've told a a client recently is you're not allowed to do your cardio unless you get your protein prep in. So until you've established that habit, I'm pulling your cardio and they almost freak out. And I'm like, what's funny about it is if I pull your cardio and you take that hour and you put it towards meal prep, that's going to do more. So you're actually, yes, you will, you will actually be more productive and you will lose more. And it's so funny because they stop doing cardio. They put that hour towards meal prep or planning meals or all of that. And then it's like, oh, now the scale is ticking down. And I'm not doing cardio where before they were trying to force all this cardio in, but they weren't being compliant. They didn't have any good food choices. They're eating off plan. They're eating whenever. And it's so funny to make those little shifts and all of a sudden they're more compliant towards the big rocks. They're fitting in the big rocks. And then that little trick. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's been so nice because how many women Paige, want to give up their cardio? Oh, none. And, and they don't understand that new, the workouts, they could lose the, lose fat, lose weight without working out at all. Mm-hmm. Like the nutrition is the main impetus for fat, for weight loss. Should you not do any weightlifting or cardio? Probably not. You're, you're going to lose more muscle and it's going to be more weight loss rather than fat loss. The, the bit I'm making a rock, the, the rock, the yeah. big rock there is nutrition. Whereas many of many of us place more importance on the workouts when, when the nutrition should be more, more important for fat loss. Yeah, absolutely key. You could almost say like, there's two rocks that, that, that need to fit in first. And that is nutrition and sleep. Yes. And then the, the weightlifting, the cardio, everything else can be the sand being poured in, but nobody wants to do that. They want to pour all the sand in and then they want to maybe kind of do the sleep and then do the nutrition. Those don't fit in anymore. And then they're wondering why they're not seeing the fat loss that they want because they poured all the sand in, they're getting the workouts in and it's like, okay, but for your goal to see that the, the body fat go down. It, it really is the nutrition. It yeah. is. It's the, that key part. Okay. So you talked about like step count being huge calories, protein being huge drivers. These are, these are a lot of the big rocks that the sleep being huge. Is there anything else that you would add to that, to that list that you try to work with, with clients? Uh, well, I mean, I would say, you know, we didn't mention workouts, but we just kind of talked about it. You know, most of my clients, they don't have issues 
getting their workouts in, you know, that's, yeah. that's the easy part for, for most of them. Some of them, yes, it, you know, life happens, kids get sick and just like crazy, you know, life gets crazy and the workouts drop. But, um, but yeah, workouts would be, you know, weightlifting would be one of them. Strength training would definitely be one of them. It's just didn't, not one I listed because it's not typically an issue. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. You're absolutely right. Like that is, in fact, I've been doing a ton of one-on-one calls lately and probably 90% of the women have said the same exact thing. I don't have an issue getting the lift in. Mm -hmm. I don't have an issue getting the cardio in. We need to talk about nutrition. I'm like, yep, that's you're normal. You are a hundred percent normal. That is usually the biggest issue. And then going back to calories and protein, you know, I think a sub category under that could be how to do that, whether it's like with meal prep, or just coming up with more meal ideas. You know, I think one thing you do really well is show people how not easy, but how flexible hitting your calories and protein can be with, with sandwiches, with, Mm -hmm. um, you know, with bowls of cereal and these normal things that people eat, you know, it doesn't have to be chicken breast and broccoli and sweet potato every single day for lunch and dinner. It can be that the meals that you normally eat just changed a little bit with added protein, added vegetables, make little tweaks to, to cut down the, the caloric density of, of them. And yeah. So I think having that knowledge is, is key to hitting the protein and the calories that I love that you bring that up because so many people, I, I talked with one woman and she goes, I don't have time. I want to lose body fat, but I don't have time to make all of these. I mean, there are these beautiful meals that we'll see on Instagram, right? Or social media where people have made these macro friendly meals that are just so beautiful with all the colors of the rainbow and all the greens and the reds and all of it. And it's just so beautiful when it comes um, down to it. Food prices are skyrocketing. Mm -hmm. I almost died when I went to get, I mean, I know there's like a a chicken thing going on right now and no eggs available. And I almost died when it was like $10 and somebody else is, I'm sure going to live in another part of the United States where it's even more expensive. It was $10 for 12 eggs. And I was like, what the, like, I need, I need to go buy some chickens. Mm -hmm. I need to like, (laughs) even at Aldi, it's $5 for it's crazy. A dozen eggs. Yeah. I, I was shocked yesterday. And so looking at the prices of fruits and vegetables and they are skyrocketing. And I'm just like, how are people going to do this? And the great thing about it is there's still simple ways that we can do it. There's still ways we can do it with like canned vegetables and fruits that are cheaper and frozen vegetables and fruits that, that last longer and don't go bad in the fridge. And, but I did have one woman, it was so funny. It was so funny because I had had like a really messy food day. I would call it messy for me, but I still hit my protein and my calories. And I got onto like my Facebook group and one woman had written in and she goes, I, I want to hit my goals, but I can't because I want to wake up and I just want to have a bowl of cereal. That's all I want. And at lunchtime, when I make my kids a sandwich, I just want to eat the sandwich. That's all I want. And then for dinner, I just want to sit down and I want to have the spaghetti with my family. 
And I loved that she said this because I'm like, do you know how easy it is to to fit all of that in macros and a macro plan? And what was hilarious about it is that morning I was on a run. So I had cereal for breakfast. I had a sandwich for lunch and I was having pasta for dinner. And I took pictures of all of my stuff. And I said, I literally ate exactly what you described, but I had these little tweaks. Cereal this morning, I used Fairlife and Fairlife is processed a little bit differently. So it has lower carbs and it has much higher fat. So, or excuse me, uh, protein. So two cups of that with my cereal and I hit my 30 grams of protein just with my milk in my cereal. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to do some weird, I know some people like pouring a cup of like a scoop of protein powder and mixing it and pouring it over. Yeah. I haven't tried that. Yeah. Don't. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I tried it last week and I was like, nope, nope, not for me. It's the point of a satisfying bowl of cereal. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I'm like, I just lost the fun of my cereal. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do my two cups. And then, um, I showed her how I did my sandwich and how it was like a little bit lower carb because I just got French bread and then I cut it smaller. You don't have to buy low carb bread. You can just buy loaf bread and just cut smaller slices. So it was lower carb, just packed with like meat and lettuce and tomatoes. And it was just really fun to show her this exact meal that you said you wanted to eat throughout the day is exactly what I ate. And just the little tweaks make all the difference. Yeah. That would be a fun Q&A like, okay, I want to eat this. Lindsay, how would you tweak it to make it macro friendly? <laughs> that would be awesome. Paige, you do that one and I'll get ideas from you. <laughs> I'll definitely get ideas from you. Hey, speaking of protein, I do want to talk about this a little bit. I really loved a post that you did on it and I totally copied your post, but it was on women who are trying to hit protein goals. but They're like, I also want to, oh my gosh, I just forgot it. Everybody's obsessed with it. It's for hair, nails. Oh, collagen. Collagen. Thank you. What are your thoughts on collagen and and protein? Like, should people count it towards their protein? This is a question I get all the time. Um, And I loved your thoughts on it. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just not an incomplete, or it's, it's not a complete protein. So if you have it here and there, I don't think you, you know, there's, there's a question lately that says, should you count the protein in, in collagen peptides? And you hear, oh, it doesn't count because it's not a complete protein. And that's true. But if you're only having it here and there, I think it's fine to count it. Um, but I wouldn't include it as your main source of protein all the time. Or you could take it and you could mix it with another protein to make it a complete protein if you really want to. But there's, you know, like beans aren't a complete protein, but when I log it in my fitness pal, I count protein from, from beans, you know? So yeah, I wouldn't have, you know, 100 grams of protein from collagen every day as your protein source, but you know, 10 or 20 grams, I think is fine to count. Yeah. I think it's a good example of us kind of overthinking things. Totally. (laughs) We don't need to overthink that. Right. Most of us can't even do the basics. So I don't think we need to worry about whether collagen right now, your, your one scoop of day is going to destroy all muscle gains. Yeah. Like, no, the inability to get to the gym and actually work at a high enough intensity to create tension on your muscle 
is probably what's going to kill your muscle gains, not your one scoop of collagen. Right. It's overthinking it and it's a small rock you're focusing on. It's the sand. (laughs) Yeah. There are other things to worry about nailing more than your collagen. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Creatine. Let's talk about creatine. What are your thoughts on creatine? I think it's great. It's one of the most researched supplements and, you know, there's, it's, it's a safe supplement. And I think anyone who wants to increase their strength and build muscle, or even, you know, if they're losing, if they're trying to lose body fat, but want to maintain their muscle, I think it's a good supplement to, to take. That's always a question that I get is if my goal is fat loss, should I still take creatine? And you're just like, yeah. Yeah. I think if you want to, sure. It's not going to be the be all end all supplement, but if you want to, it's also really inexpensive. Mm -hmm. So in terms of supplements, so if if you want to take it, um, I, I take five grams most days that I remember, (laughs) but it's, you know, it's, it's also not, I, I didn't, I don't take it all the time. There was, you know, a period of that I didn't take. I just started taking it again after like a, a few months ago, but I think it can only help and not hurt. But I think it's, it's not, I don't think it's a, a big rock. If you're not putting in the intensity that your lifts that you need to in your lifts or hitting your caloric deficit, I think there are other things to focus on before that, but I don't think it mm-hmm. can hurt. Yeah. Did you take it during a uh, pregnancy and uh, breastfeeding? I did with my first, I did not with my second, but it's just, there's no reason why I didn't. <laughs> just, yeah wasn't on my radar at that point. Um, I'm always curious. I don't think that there's anything personally wrong with taking creatine during pregnancy, but, but here's, but I just feel like we don't have enough research on supplements and pregnancy and, and breastfeeding. And my, my thing is, cause I get a lot of questions about supplements and taking them during pregnancy. And I'm like, to what end? Like, what are we really trying to accomplish? I think it's okay to pause for nine months while we create a freaking human being. Yeah. Especially when we don't have enough studies and research to know any end results of some things. My answer there is always ask your OB. <laughs> don't yes, ask me. That is an excellent, <laughs> safe answer, Paige. I love it. Yes. I get, yeah, I get questions about creatine, greens powder, and collagen a lot with women who are pregnant. It's always ask your OB. My OB was okay with everything. (laughs) Yeah. Mine was too. Um, my first one told me to stop all weightlifting and pick up running. And I was like, you're crazy. I'm getting a new doctor. Um, (laughs) because that is so stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Like my body's not used to running and you want me to stop what it is used to, to start something. It's not because you don't want me to lift more than 20 pounds during my pregnancy. Like that was, that's a whole other can of worms. (laughs) It is, but it drives me nuts. I know. I know. It does drive me nuts. But I do get a lot of questions of people saying, are protein powders, just regular protein powders safe during pregnancy and breastfeeding? And do you give them the same really safe answer? Just ask your OB. Well, you know, I typically tell them, I took protein. I ate protein powder during both pregnancies nearly every day, but ask your OB. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I did too. I did notice that when I was breastfeeding that, that the chocolate protein powder that I loved, 
that Hazel did not like that. And so that's the only reason I stopped it is because she would not drink my milk if I had. You could have other whey-based protein powders, just not the chocolate one? Just not the chocolate. It was <laughs> the weirdest thing in the world. And I even went as far as to try like chocolate broth. Put, I, I thought maybe there is something to whey and she doesn't like, I don't know why. I was just kind of experimenting. No, it was, which is hilarious because she is a chocolate like addict now. But when I would have chocolate protein powder, she would not drink my milk. Huh. It was the weirdest That's frustrating. Thing. It was frustrating because that was what I enjoyed. Luckily, my kids did not have any like sensitivities to anything with my breast milk, nor do they now. So thankfully. Oh, yeah. Oh, thankfully, because dealing with that is hard. That is so hard. Oh, yeah. Especially if they're picky. You're like, well, that's all they'll eat. <laughs> yes, I know. I get that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I'm, I've loved this conversation. Is there anything that you would like to add the one or two things you wish more women knew about health and fitness? You know, that's, that's a big question. (laughs) It is a big question. If you're making a change to improve your health, to lose body fat, to improve your body composition, it should not make you miserable. Mm. The changes you make shouldn't be, you shouldn't look at it like, okay, my life as I know it is over. And I am starting a journey that's going to suck. You know, that's not how it should be. And that's not how the mindset should be either. I think that's number one. Your workouts nor your nutrition should make you miserable. And if they are, something needs to change. I guess one thing I would add is just being clear on your goals. You know, what you want to achieve, not just like, I want to get healthier. But if you want to get healthier, what markers do you want to improve? Like, do you want to get... Do you want to lose it, you know, X amount of weight or, and then also clear on the actions needed to take you, take you there. Not just, I'm going to work out and eat healthier, but being clear and being very specific on what you're going to change and, and then what your goals are can only be helpful. I love that because things have to be measurable. Exactly. If they're, if they are not measurable, you're going to be in limbo and you're going to think, what did I accomplish I suffered a lot. I changed a lot. I went through all of these, like, yeah, just different hard, but if it's not measurable, then to what end Yeah, did you do it for? So I love that really looking for if, if the goal is overall health, there needs to be some health markers. And I think that there can be better health markers than the scale moving down. Totally. Right. There's other ones out there. Blood pressure, heart rate variability, resting heart rate. So many. (laughs) Yeah. For some women, it can be their uh, skin clears up, their hair's not falling out as much, their hair feels thicker. Just to touch on collagen is kind of interesting because we have some studies showing like, yes, it does help with skin, hair, nails, but I kind of have an issue with those studies because I'm like, were they comparing people who already had adequate enough protein or are they comparing it to people? Because in our society, we don't, in America, we're not high protein eaters. We're high carbon fat eaters. We're really good at that. Mm-hmm. So are they taking a bunch of people who were barely getting enough protein to begin with? And now they've just added, a, you know, some more aminos and now they're, they're seeing these improvements. So I kind of wonder you know, if collagen, I bring that up because I brought up like health of hair. So, cause sometimes I'll have clients just changing protein, getting more protein. And they're like, I noticed that my, my hair feels 
thicker. It's not falling out. My nails feel better. My skin, like, and they make all of the same claims of people who start collagen. So it's just kind of an interesting thought Yeah, that maybe it's just getting enough aminos. Maybe it's not, you have to, so don't think maybe that you have to, if it's going to break the bank, you buying collagen, maybe just focus on protein. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of collagen in protein, a lot of protein sources. So yes. totally. And collagen supplements can be expensive. Um, so yeah, I think you have a total valid point there and bringing up the studies, that's just another you know, reason why you can't just see a study and take it at face value. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to do some digging. I, I personally, I do take a collagen supplement. My mom is in her seventies and she has like tissue paper skin. Like if she bumps it against something, it will, she'll, she'll get a skin tear and she's gotten serious injuries. So I take it more of like a, an insurance, like a, eh, you never know. You know I mean? The studies do say that. So I'm just going to put some stock in there and I'll get my, you know, vital proteins is on sale at Costco this week. So I grabbed some of that. <laughs> there you go. No, I love it. And I think if it's something that you want to do, you can do definitely. Right. Um, but anyways, going back to, there's just so many different markers, like even sleep, I'm sleeping better. Um, I have better energy throughout the day. There are so many measurable markers that we can, that we can use besides the scale. And that's kind of absolutely. Yeah. So we'll just end on that note. Thank you so much, Paige. You are awesome. Guys, if you don't follow her, really, I want to strongly (laughs) encourage you to, I feel like so much of your, um, you're just so down to earth and so much of your, uh, message on Instagram. I feel like my audience would really appreciate and love. Well, thanks, Lindsay. It's been so fun talking to you and I really appreciate you having me. Thanks, Paige. You're awesome. <laughs> you too. Thank you so much for joining me on the Lifting Lindsay podcast today. If you have any questions, go ahead and send me a DM on Instagram. If you're interested in my optimized training programs, go to liftinglindsay.com. Definitely check out Paige though. If you are interested in coaching with her or just want to learn from her. She is one that I would definitely send you over to. She will definitely take care of you. 